This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them. And hello, and it's a Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirate Save the Whales, with Robin Mob, Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. I'm Rob. And I'm Mob, and uh, hi Rob. I'm really enjoying here, sitting down at the microphone today, a glass of amazing lemon cordial. Well, it's actually lemon and lime cordial. From, uh, um, I'm looking out at Robert's amazing tree, just festooned with fruit. Yes. And I'm going to segue immediately to the CSS Shenandoah because I don't think they're having too much fruit at all. Because no. Mr. Whittle is continuously writing about the amount of salt pork they're eating. He, in fact, says our diet is regularly slim, regularly salt, and I would be ashamed to look a salted pig or cow in the face. We, What we have, however, is very good in its way, but it, it is a salt road. Well, that, well, th- this is kind of what happens when you are trying to get back to Liverpool from Alaska without touching down on... Um, making landfall Without at making all. landfall yes. at all. But also without taking any more ships, because when they were having their, their wonderful feasts, you know, at Christmas, they didn't have salt pig. They had freshly killed pig, an 80-pound pig. And despite the fact that it ended up on the wardroom floor because there was a sudden squall, still it was... It was we seemed to have it any time there was a major celebration I, going I'm on. sure they were all like, like Homer Simpson in the famous uh, episode of The Simpsons. It's still good, it's still good. So I'm sure they just <laughs> dusted it off and uh, and still ate it. But so um, for the, the two or three months it's going to take them to get back to Liverpool, it's going to be, yes, uh, salt pork. Although I do think they probably would have at least some supplies of lime or lemon juice because... Um, otherwise I'd be getting scurvy. So, um, well, we, we shall see as the uh, the diaries unfold, I guess. Yes, yes. well, of course. Um, now, um, a couple of weeks ago, we finished up with the uh, the wonderful diary of Midshipman Mason, which I was uh, very sad to... Um, <laughs> which ended on a very uh, grim note yes. for him at the point where he realised it was all over. Yes, the, this too shall pass. Sick transit, Gloria Mundy, he said. And then he said something to the French, you know... Um, we are under God's will, and uh, you know. Under there, the there's quite a bit of that going on in Whittle's diary as well. I'm, I'm holding up to the microphone William C. Whittle's "A Memorable Cruise." We're up to uh, today is the 25th of August. Oh, I'm glad you got that in, Michael. We did kind of cut straight to the chase here. I'm thinking, you know, what happened to our three or four but you know, minutes of uh, of witty and inconsequential banter? <laughs> well, anyway, so we're we're in the Pacific. They're very keen to head back to an English port. Yes. Seems to be the, uh, the, the discussion. The captain is being a little bit vague as to what English port that is going to be. And that, that comes out uh, in the next week or so, actually. I, I think the captain is being actually a little bit all over the shop. He's being, he's being rather Captain Quig at the moment. It, it, it does have Good to be Good thing said. there's no strawberry ice cream then. There's only, uh, there's only salt pork. In fact, um, Whittle notes on the 20th of August... Um, I find it impossible to keep a cheerful face. There's a bit of a theme going on there with his entries. Yep. 
Um, our paymaster, W. Breedlove Smith, was 24 years old today. We celebrated it without any extra show as salt beef is the go. Oh, gosh. So what the... Um, that, that's corned beef. Uh, you know, corned beef can be very nice if you... Um, in fact, um, the um, where we have the... Um, the meetings of the American Civil War Roundtable of Australia, Inc., uh, which is at the Retreat Hotel in Abbotsford, they do a lovely corned beef um, with some uh, some very nice mustard sauce. Well, maybe I'll order that tomorrow because the the uh, the monthly meeting is in fact tomorrow night. Okay, okay. But on the other hand, uh, we don't have to eat that uh, every single day, which would uh, would no doubt be uh, be a bit of a pain. Now, um, so. Uh, Midshipman Mason's um, diary did finish up, but that was uh, perhaps a blessing in disguise because that meant that we we dug up uh, a couple of the the other diaries that um, uh, Surgeon Lining's diary that uh, Sam Craghead uh, gave to us from the uh, Museum of the Civil War, and uh, there was also Cornelius Hunt's memoirs. Now Cornelius Hunt was another of the officers on the ship. Um, it's a secondary source. It's like uh, the memoirs of Captain Waddell. It was written sometime after the event. Oh, so it's not a contemporary diary. It was written after the fact. I, I'm sure it was based on a contemporary diary. But um, I'd like to uh, do an additions, amendments, um, attributions, etc., etc., um, because uh, having a look through Cornelius Hunt's uh, memoirs, um, there was a very interesting story that we've been trying to track down for quite a long time mm-hmm. uh, concerning uh, the Confederates uh, and the Wales. But uh, before before I do that, I might actually do a little bit of, uh, of context, um, and uh, we might do a couple of quotations from uh, Sergeant Lining's diary. And the thing is, Sergeant Lining, um, who I believe Whittle says was the the oldest person apart from the captain uh, aboard the ship, he was a an elderly thirty one. A thirty one. He does he does actually make a uh, comment about the relative youth of the crew. Um, he's noted there that uh, uh, W. Breedlove Smith had turned twenty four. Yep. They didn't get to celebrate that. I'll I'll gloss over the next entry, which he really does descend into bathos because he says. Our ship is sailing very well. I will not attempt to put my painful thoughts on paper. Were the paper white, they would render it blue, which oh. I think is, is, oh, is pretty dear. grim. But a, a, a couple of days later, he makes the note that it was uh, Chew's 24th birthday. Okay, it's all the 24th. And then he notes, We are, I expect, the youngest set of officers who ever went to sea. The oldest member of our mess, Dr. Lining, is but 31 and the others range from 28 to 24. There are but four older than I am and I am not 26. So apart from the captain, who was uh, 41, 41 or 42, yes, uh, it, is, it is quite a group of young men. And I think that's something we do forget with uh, actually not just the American Civil War, but pretty much any war. We, we had that discussion about the movie Fury where the, uh, the yes. tank crew were all seemed to be people in their 30s and 40s when they would have been in their 19s, 20s and 21s. Yes, that, that's exactly and, right. Uh, yes. I think that's the same case you get with, uh, with any war. Mm. Well, um, now, the, so we're going to have a look at, uh, at uh, Surgeon Lining's diary here. So this is starting uh, Wednesday, August 23, 1865. And this is where I think the captain is getting a bit Captain Queek here. Okay. Um, There has been a great deal of talk on board ship about the way in which merchant ships carry sail as compared with ourselves. 
and I hear that the captain said that he had not the nerve to carry sail, that when night came on, he kept thinking of the squalls coming up, and he had to take in sail. As for scales, he said, let him get in a few drinks, and he will carry sails until everything is blue. That's a bit ambiguous. I'm not not sure if it's saying scales is saying the captain should have a few drinks, or or he's saying, if you give me a few drinks, I'll I'll let the... um, But now this this is bringing up a a point that's been festering for quite some time because as you recall, um, Waddell has had a number of fights uh, with his with his minor officers, uh, and I think Debney Minor Scales among them, (laughs) because he does not think that they are fit to stand. He doesn't rate them. He doesn't rate them. So, and this is about to come. And Um, and his problem is that he did not appoint them as officers. They were appointed by basically the Confederate government. Yeah. Yep, yep, so, yeah, but they weren't selected by him. Um, So, anyway, so we get on to Thursday, August the 24th, 1865. A big row. Scales overslept himself this morning and did not come to quarters. So the captain sent for him and told him that he now was only master of the ship and therefore had no right to punish Scales but that he would relieve him of all duty. I think by that he means that it's no longer a military command, so he can't have scales twice or, you know... Um, oh, Mr Whittle will be so upset. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, it'll be interesting to see if he still does it. But, um, but he would relieve him of all duty and that he might consider himself as passenger at large on board this vessel until he got into port. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, that's basically, I... you're sacked. But the problem is... We're in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> yes. so, so we can't do anything. So, not content with this to stir up the bees, he must go and kick over the hive by doing the most impolite thing he could possibly do by asking Blacker, his clerk, to keep the watch. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's no space in naval, you know, <laughs> duties for, for the captain's clerk to take a watch. To take the watch to replace an officer, yes. Oh, dear. Um, thereupon Hunt refused to do duty under Blacker, with whom he was at dagger points, and he also was controlled, sold to consider himself as a passenger. So, so Scales has been told that he's a passenger, now Hunt's been told that he's a passenger, but the thing kicked up such a row that it got to Blacker's ears, who then declined to take the watch under the circumstance. Thereupon Waddell himself takes a watch. Because cause that's going to help. That, 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 oh, that's really dear. going to... The captain taking a watch is really going to, to sell matters. Um, great whispering going all about, to continue from um, lining. I'm not surprised, great whispering going all about. Um, I can't go to talk to anyone without stumbling upon a private confab and so withdraw to my room. The result of all the talking amounted to Bullock's going to Waddell and offering to take the watch as he did not think it looked well to see the captain of a ship keeping watch when there were so many officers on board. Well, I, oh, I, will, I will kind of agree there, just, actually. That is just so painful, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think there has to be a bowl of strawberries uh, strawberries in there somewhere. Yes, yeah. yes. Strawberry ice cream. I oh, a stra- strawberry ice cream. Yeah, I, I always wondered how, how Captain Quig, how the Cade had fresh strawberries on board. Okay, well, strawberry ice cream. It is very interesting that... Uh, the day that all that went on... Uh, yes, yes, so th- this was August the 24th. August the 24th is the same day that uh, Whittle makes the note of uh, the fact they're the youngest set of officers who ever went to sea and makes no mention at all. Well, because 
If you recall, at earlier points in the journey, Whittle was not backward in coming forward and dissing the captain when he was unhappy with him. Well, he, he might be he might be making a bleak point that the officers are, are behaving like a bunch of children, but I think maybe he just doesn't care anymore. But um, oh, look! I think now, look, um, I think we're going to have to go go one day ahead of ourselves here to Friday, August the twenty fifth, eighteen sixty five, which is one hundred and fifty years ago, um, and one day ago. Yes. Things go from worst to worst. That's not the most deft metaphor I've, I've ever I've ever heard in my life, but let, let's leave that as it may. Scales went in to talk to Waddell and finally told him that he had been long been looking for the opportunity of putting him off the deck, that is, Waddell had been looking for the opportunity of getting Scales off the deck, and that he had jumped at the occurrence of yesterday to do so, for that it was utterly ridiculous to attach so much importance to so small an offence. Um, that is, um, Scales sleeping in. Uh, and finally left after telling him that he, Scales, considered himself under no obligation to him, Waddell, for his kind offer of a passage home, for if he did consider it an obligation, he would go forward to take off his coat and work with the men for his passage. So the thing is worse off than at first, and Bullock is stuck in for the watch. Hunt, too, attempted to come on, presumably to see Waddell, but was told that his services could be dispensed with. Oh. oh gosh, it's just going going from bad to worse. And interesting, oh, sorry, wor- worse to worse, worse to worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, and interestingly, <clears throat> if we go ahead a day with uh, Whittle, he just makes some comments about the weather. Well, so he he is he is clearly remaining uh, as aloof as possible. I, from, I think from I all think of this. I think perhaps care factor zero. I think he's 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 thinking of the the old folks at home. Although you you made an interesting comment uh, off here, Michael, that um, the old folks at home. So um, yes, he 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 makes a lot of comments about worrying about his family, which yes. he, which he would. His dear father, he hopes that he'll be pardoned or will he be hung as they would hang a dog, as he had uh, mentioned uh, the week before. His father had also been a uh, US naval officer. Yes. And uh, Whittle is uh, 25 at this point, and uh, his father is actually only 45. So, okay, um, so it's so... not like he's an old retired man. He's, uh, is... he's still a man, I would like to say, in his prime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely precisely. Yes, yes, because uh, we're, we're a little bit older than that. Okay, now, now, um, because everything is connected, um, this uh, mention of uh, Cornelius Hunt in um, in uh, Lining's journal. Uh, now, Barry Crompton of the uh, Australian American Civil War Roundtable Inc. Um, forwarded us uh, Cornelius Hunt's uh, journals, as I, as I mentioned before. So I was having a look uh, a look back through that, and um, I came across uh, it, it's a. It's one of the prizes they took of the Abigail. Oh, that's the one with all the booze. Yeah, that is that is the one with all the booze. I believe the Facebook entry for that episode says, "Yeah, listen to Shenandoah down under. This is the one with all the booze." Because you know, I try to do my little takeoff of the friends, uh, the <laughs> one with the whatever. Um, so, but um, I would like to to quote this because I believe that this is a source of a story that we've heard a number of times in connection with the Shenandoah, but I had never had the source before. And it's a bit of a shame that there's not a source in the actual diaries, but nevertheless, uh, this is Cornelius Hunt's memoirs. So, um, as I say, they were in, um, in, the, uh, in the ice, 
This is back in uh, in May 1865. Yes, yes. So, the, so, so, so we, 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 we are taken. doing a um, you know, addition amendment uh, attribution. This was this was one of the first captures they did up in the Arctic. Yes, uh, actually in the Okhotsk Sea. Yeah, you which go. you are now pronouncing just like a champ, <laughs> Rob. I'll, I'll say, well done. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Okay, a long stretch of field ice intervened between us and the stranger, which we were obliged to partially circumnavigate ere we could reach her. Uh, you can tell this is a memoir rather than a diary because he's using much more flowery language. Yes. We stood along close by the western margin of the field ice until we rounded its northern point when we showed the Russian ensign as the most appropriate one for a vessel of our appearance to fly in those high latitudes to which she responded by running up the stars and stripes. Big mistake. Big mistake, yeah. Rookie error. The Russian flag was immediately lowered, and in the place of it we showed the Confederate stars and bars and a blank cartridge from our 12-pounder brought her through. An officer was then dispatched on board, who informed the captain that his vessel was a prize to the Confederate States Sedema Shenandoah, to which he must at once proceed with his papers. The skipper looked at him for a moment, scratched his head, laid in a fresh chew of tobacco, and then remarked as coolly as if giving the order to heave up his anchor, Well, I suppose I'm taken, but who on earth would have thought of seeing one of your southern privateers up here in the Okhot Sea? I've heard some of the pranks you fellows have been playing, but I supposed I was out of your reach. Why, the fact of the business is, Captain, replied the officer facetiously, we have entered into a treaty offensive and defensive with the whales and are up here by special agreement to disperse their mortal enemies. All right, my friend, I never grumble at anything I can't help, but the whales needn't owe me much of a grudge, for the Lord knows I haven't disturbed them this voyage, though I've done my part at blubber hunting in years gone by. But it's cold talking here. Come below and take something to warm your stomach while I get my papers. There you go. So uh, I, I think this is probably in the guise of, you know, Herodotus or Tacitus, putting, <laughs> putting noble words into the mouths of the various protagonists of the history there, actually. I don't care. I, don't, I absolutely do not care. I do not care. Um, uh, this, we, this we need to point out, by the way, the captain who hasn't taken much blubber on this journey, we're wondering just how much blubber he was after, given he seemed to have been more like a mobile liquor merchant rather than... Yes, uh, yes. Well, well no, no, um, uh, of course, uh, Cornelius Hunt does, does address this. Um, okay. Uh, we remained near the prize all night, taking out such stores as suited our fancy, there was a quantity of liquor on board which the captain had brought along with the view of trading for furs on the coast of Siberia. This part of the whaler's cargo was soon nosed out by our forecastle gentry, and before the officers knew what was going on, a cask had been broached and the greater part of one watch were about as gloriously drunk as men can be. As soon as this was discovered, the inebriates were shut into the forecastle and the more obstreperous placed in irons, but while this discipline was progressing, the rest got wind of the captured treasure, and by the time one detachment was secured, another were in condition to receive the same polite attention we had shown their fellows. In brief, I think it was the most general and stupendous spree I ever witnessed. There was not a dozen sober men on board the ship except the prisoners, and had these not been ironed, it might have proved a dearly brought 
frolic. And that actually then led uh, later, didn't it, to uh, <coughs> Lieutenant or Lieutenant Scales. Yes, a Debney Minor Scales. Debney Minor Scales well, getting into big trouble for uh, sneaking some liquor on board. Well, no, again, it's interesting. A, a beaker of uh, beaker of whiskey, I believe. Oh, a beaker of whiskey. Uh, now, but it, it is interesting because now Cornelius Hunt does not mention the name of the officer who made the facetious comment about uh, we have entered into a treaty with the whales, but I believe Whittle uh, mentions about that, that um, Lieutenant Scales was head of the prize party. Yes, so, so perhaps it was him that, so, uh, p- 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 that said that. It, was him. it is an amazing quote, that one. I know that it's uh, it's been an inspiration to the Sea Shepherd people, hasn't it? That, yes, that yeah, it's, uh, I, I believe um, one of the things that got us interested in this uh, m- many years ago, or one of the first things we found when we got interested, was a um, an article by um, by uh, Captain Captain Paul Watson, um, which which quoted which quoted that that line about we've entered into a confederacy with the whales. Unfortunately, when when we tried to locate this, it's, it's one of those you, you meant to not be able to lose anything off the internet, but uh, that that article seemed to have seemed to have disappeared. Possibly because uh, that article did use the phrase confederacy with the whales, and uh, the actual quote is a treaty with the whales. Treaty, yes, yeah, which which is yeah, much less confederate. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm I'm very glad to track that down because um, it was mentioned by uh, by Sam Craighead uh, in his um, address at the 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 Pirates Tavern at uh, Williams uh, back when um, there was the 150th uh, commemoration uh, back in. Um, January, yes, yep. yep. in Williamstown, and um, and uh, and Sam was trying to make a pitch to the because there were quite a number of members of the Sea Shepherd uh, in attendance because um, uh, the Steve Irwin was uh, was in town. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to track that down. Um, now, I, I thought I'd have a look. And uh, given that we've been having uh, Surgeon Lining's account of um, Waddell's great big fight with uh, mm-hmm. Dibney Minor Scales and Cornelius Hunt, I thought I'd have a look and see um, what does Cornelius Hunt say about this uh, little, little contretemps. And it's interesting, um, he does not, in fact, um, give any... Um, account of him being relieved of his duties by the captain. Oh, what a surprise. Funnily <laughs> enough, funnily enough. But what he does say, he has something to say about when the decision was made to return to Liverpool. So uh, mm. this is from um, uh, Cornelius Hunt's uh, memoirs, um, page 51. So um, so what date is what what date does he claim this is all going oh, on? Cornelius isn't terribly good at dates, but it would have been just after they discovered that uh, the cause was lost. Oh, so okay. it would have been... Um, Early, early so, on. what does he have to say? Has to say. Um, so, um, after they discovered that the war was over, uh, the crew presented a petition signed by nearly all of their number, requesting our captain to proceed at once to Sydney, Australia, the nearest English port, and there abandon the ship to Her Majesty's authorities and let each man look out for his own personal safety. Uh, now, that's that's true as far as it goes, but I believe there was also later another. Um, petition signed by the crew, not the officers, saying that they had full confidence in the captain. So, anyway, Captain Waddell at once professed to accede to this request, and for 24 hours the vessel was actually headed for Sydney. But events proved that he really had no intention of ever going there, and at the expiration of the time I have mentioned, he altered the course of the ship without announcing the fact to anyone. Um, well, I think he must have announced it to the people who changed the course, uh, and steered for Cape Horn en route for Liverpool. 
from a letter of Captain Waddell's, which will be found in the latter part of this volume, which we'll have to track down at a later stage, it will be seen that he gives a somewhat different version of this affair, but I speak from my own personal knowledge when I say that he promised his crew to run the Shenandoah into Sydney, and then, without their cognizance, steered for another and more distant port, thus subjecting them to what they considered unnecessary peril, for the sake of securing a considerable sum of money, which he knew to be lodged in the hands of one of our secret agents in Liverpool. And I further assert that nothing like a mutinous spirit, even unless a petition they subsequently submitted may be called so, was ever manifested by any officer from the time we left the English shores till we returned to them. Well, mm. well, actually, um, it comes up later uh, next month is oh. the point where the crew send their petition in. So we'll we'll get to that. A, well, a Cornelius Hunt knew that. He was writing his memoirs <laughs> quite some years later. This is in the diary where he doesn't know about that. Yeah, yet. We'll, 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 get to that uh, we'll get to that next month where the crew uh, put their point of view forward as well. But the reason why they've got these worries and concerns is they are very concerned, as we talked about last week, mm. that they're going to be branded as pirates and they know what the penalty for being a pirate oh, is. Oh, yes, yes. So it's, yes. it's got them worried. It's clearly got the captain worried. Oh. I do think it's interesting that uh, Whittle has glossed over uh, that again. And yes. I think you're right. I think he's just got to the point where he's a little bit past caring at this point because... Absolutely. It's just, it's just so abysmal what's happened. Oh, dear. Well, look, I'm sure... I'm sure, look, there will be many, many more fights and uh, many more misunderstandings and a lot more salt beef. And oh, probably, it's not a happy ship. Probably, probably quite a lot more bourbon before before they get back to Liverpool. But you know what? We're, we're going to be with them to the, to the bitter end. Uh, and it is getting increasingly bitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I think I think when the war is lost, the recriminations start. But uh, yes, but they obviously all thought that their their memoirs were going to be the next um, voyage of the Alabama, and that would, they would be published to uh, to great acclaim. But um, so far, at least, uh, that hasn't happened. So, well, uh, we have come to the end of uh, of yet another episode, and um, so really, um, what more remains to be said other than that this has been Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with a Robin Mob, a Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. This is Michael O'Brien saying tally-ho till next week. And I'm saying ahoy.